The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Last week we were looking at the subject of seeking the Lord and I was encouraging you to be able to press in and to seek the Lord. If you remember, we were looking at the keys. Uh, I don't know whether you've lost anything this week or whether you diligently went on to find it, but that's the, uh, the metaphor or the example that we were using in terms of seeking God. Keep on keeping on until you find what you are seeking for. And we were encouraged with Jeremiah 29, verses 13 and 14. And it is a scripture that we need to get into ourselves. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And so there's this great encouragement that is given to us from God, where he's encouraging us to say, look, seek me. Yes, there's effort, because it's a sense of, seek me with all of your heart. There's a sense in which we've got to become wholehearted in our seeking of God. But if we seek him with all of our hearts, guess what? God has said, I will be found by you. He has declared it. And sometimes even when I come to prayer, I come with this, and I say, Lord, you have said. So if this is my heart being only half-hearted, then make me wholehearted that I might be able to find you. Because this is what we want to do when we seek God. It is a time to seek the Lord. Now, uh, in the opening that Yinka gave, talking a little bit about the virus and everything that's going on, the weirdness of these times. Of course, they are weird times. We're facing change. Change keeps changing as well. That's one of the things that's difficult. You try to make plans, and you think, like, well, if I, well what, what's going to be next week? Uh, and we really don't know. And so that sense of not being able to lay out before us and not be able to feel secure in our planning does affect us as well. So the change of change keeps affecting us. But what are we doing? Are we growing closer to God or are we drifting away? That's the issue that we've got to look at. Not in a condemnatory way, but in a sense of what is happening to us. What's happening to you at this time? We know that some of the blessings that we had, and we talk of those as being blessings now, this corporate worship. I mean, like this morning, we want to throw ourselves into singing with this. We want our worship team to carry on. We don't just want two songs. We want ten songs, and we want to sing to every one of them. Because as we do that, we know the presence of God comes amongst us, and it gives us encouragement. But that's been taken away from us. And there is a sense in which you feel slightly cheated. You feel like, wow, this is not disappointed. You know, like there's a, it's not quite the same. There's an emptiness, whereas there used to be a fullness. But it's all because of these things that I'm underlining the fact that it's a necessity for us to seek the Lord. Because things are being taken away from us. Because there's a sense of loss. Because even there's a sense of depression that can come upon us. Because, you know, like even as we're seeing on the screen there, you know, the kids have gone back to school. Yes. And I I thought it was very interesting how, as he said, at the beginning, I was loving this. But you see, there comes a point when actually, do I have to have the office? Do I have to have my family life? Do I have to have all of my time spent in one place? Whereas for a time, a season, it can be quite enjoyable. There also comes a season where you think, I'm getting fed up with this. And it comes a pressure on us. Look, I want to encourage you all. 
Let's make sure that we're seeking God. Numbness can creep in upon us almost without us realizing it. It's just little by little, little by little. And there comes a point when we're going to say, no, no. As Kevin said, awake my soul. Awake my soul. Now, I should have used the plural of Kevin's there because one was singing and one was speaking. So, um, uh, anyway, we won't go down that track. So, I am seeking God myself. I'm seeking to, to come closer to God, to know more of Him during this time. You know, as I've been doing that, I've been thinking to myself, it's not always easy. And, and you will know this, and I know this. It's great to be able to say, seek the Lord, and you go and do it, and you think, like, actually, this isn't quite as easy as I thought. You know, it's not as though I, I tried it once and it didn't seem to work, that type of thing. I understand that very well indeed. And I thought to myself, what about Bible characters? Are there any Bible characters that we can look at that sort of, they are seeking God, but they have had difficulties. And I'm thinking of Bible characters, and I'm thinking like, actually, there's one quite annoying thing about the Bible. That actually, all the characters seem to be connected with God. They seem to be speaking to God. God seems to be speaking back to them. Marvelous things are happening. Yeah, I know they have a few battles and a few tribulations. But, and I'm thinking, like, well, are there many Bible characters? And then I thought of Daniel, because I was just remembering, as I've read Daniel before, there's several chapters in Daniel where he seems to be having some time where he has to seek God. It's not all just falling into his lap. And that's helpful for us to understand. Because it always seems for other people, everything falls into their lap. It's like no problem at all. I mean, it's the, the grass is always greener type of situation. It's all right for them, but what about for me? But as I looked a little bit at Daniel, I noticed this. Daniel 10, the first five verses, it reads like this. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. So he had received something from God. A revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. Full stop. Then it goes on to say, the understanding of the message came to him in a vision. Now, do you just notice that? So he has a revelation. He has some insight into the fact there's going to be a great war. But he doesn't understand what he's actually got. He's like, I've seen this. What's all that about? And I find that helpful. Just to the point, okay, here is a guy, he's a big name in the Bible, and yet he gets information and he doesn't understand what it's about. And then it goes on to say, at that time, verse 2, at that time I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. And so the story goes on. But you see, I know it doesn't say, he says he was fasting in effect, or he'd started eating only certain things for three weeks. So Daniel had set himself a period of time of three weeks when he was seeking God. And I, it doesn't say, but it then says on the 24th day. I wonder whether that's indicating that he started on the first day of the month for three weeks, but it wasn't until the three weeks were fully over and then a few days before he actually received a revelation. And of course, if we looked in Daniel as well, there's another situation where it, he's praying and he's praying and it, and it says the angel came to him and the angel says, I was coming to you right as soon as you started, but I got held up. So we do see 
in Scripture, even with some of the, the big names, that there's an issue of seeking, and that seeking can take time. That seeking can take effort. That seeking can take pressing in. And even if we set ourselves a period of time for really seeking God, sometimes it can come, the revelation that can come afterwards. So I was thinking about that, but then, of course, I suddenly remembered, even as Kevin A. Uh, spoke to us this morning, the Psalms. Of course, the Psalms, that's the place where you can go, where you find people seeking for God, and all of their struggles are thrown up before you. And you think like, ah, oh, this is much more like my situation. This is more like it, even as Kevin was saying about... Uh, um, Awake my soul. In the midst of difficulty, David is saying, look, I'm going through struggles here. I'm trying to connect with God. I'm trying to make that establishment with heaven. But it's really pressing. And actually, if I turn and look at all my circumstances, no, awake my soul. You see, he's speaking to himself, saying, come on, it's time for you to seek the Lord. And I reflected on Psalm 42, and I'm just going to read this to you, at least the first five verses. Just as we're in this sense of we're seeking God, we're trying to seek God, but what is coming against us and how, how do we deal with it? As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And as I was reading that, you know, the psalmist here, and in this case it's not David, but the psalmist here places before us a picture of a thirsty deer. Now a deer will look for water until it finds water. It has a need for water and so it will seek out. It will keep looking for water until it can quench its thirst. Now the psalmist isn't thirsty for water, but he's thirsty for God. He's seeking for God. I want more of God. I want to connect with God. And it's obvious that he's finding it hard. So I find that encouragement. Okay, it doesn't just fall into the lap of everybody. Here is somebody who's struggling. My soul, it says in verse 1, pants for you, my God. There is a longing within me that I'm seeking for more of God. And he doesn't just say in the first verse, my soul pants for you, my God. He then goes on to say, you are the living God. And then he goes on to say, where can I meet with God? Or even the understanding is it, where can I find the face of God? And you can see it's like he's climbing steps. I'm looking for God. No, I want the living God. No, I want the face of God. There's an urgency about him in his seeking. But he goes on to express the frustrations and even the opposition that he feels. Verse 3, my tears, they have been my food. People say to me all day long, where is your God? And, you know, that's the picture of somebody who's saying, like, okay, I've been weeping. I'm crying. I, that's like, it's like, that's all I've had. Now, it's not necessarily strictly true, but it's talking about his experience. This is what it feels like. All I have is tears. It's like I don't have anything to sustain me. And even when I'm seeking God, it seems like everybody else around me is just saying, like, well, what's the point? Well, where is God? Doesn't it feel like that sometimes? It does. 
We sense that in church we have that sense of like, okay, I want to set my face towards this, but we got to get away from here. And it's not necessarily that everybody in our family is saying like, well, where is God? But there's that sense in which the system around us seems to be pressing in against us and you have that feeling, well, is this worthwhile anyway? It's the same type of feeling. Where is your God? Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. These things I remember, you know what it's like when we start to go through tough times, we start to look back at easier times. When things are going hard, you think like, well, okay, let me remember something that was nice. You know, you, 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 we all do that, whether it be a holiday situation. You know, if you've been away on holiday, uh, especially, let's think back to another year when we didn't have any limitations, whatever. You go away on holiday and you come back to work. And it's okay because you feel refreshed. But then after about a week at work, you're sitting in your office and your mind is going, oh, I remember the beach. I remember going for that swim. I remember when we saw this. I remember when we ate that food. I remember, because you're just you're drifting. I don't want to be at work. I want to be back when everything's lovely. When things get hard, we want to get back to some things that seem to be good. And exactly, that's exactly what the psalmist does here. He said, I remember when I remember how I used to go to the, with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving. And right now, we could be like that. I remember when we used to come to church and we used to be able to sing and we used to be able to pour out our hearts and we could dance. If we, we could. I remember when. Now, the truth is we didn't necessarily all sing out loudly and passionately. But I remember when that happened. And I wish for those days. It's just exactly like the psalmist is saying here. And then he says, I pour out my soul. There is a sense in which he's saying, God, I'm bringing everything to you. And there's a sense here you can feel the, the intensity of the emotion that he is expressing through these words. God, I'm pouring out my soul. Is there anything else? I'm emptying myself before you. But then the psalmist turns from this lamenting and this is something that we also need to take. He turns from this lamenting. There can be a point in which we're like, woe, woe, woe is me. And then we realize, hang on a second. I'm seeking God. I don't seem to be able to find him. I'm looking for God. I'm trying to build my life. I'm trying to get strong. But everything seems to be coming against me. Sometimes we just need to stop. And like the psalmist, verse 5, why, my soul? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Hang on one moment. Let's not get too carried away. He needs to stop and he addresses himself. Remember, God has promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. Let me just bring that back into, you know. And it's that sense of Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I got up this morning early and... I went outside, and suddenly I look up, and there's all the stars out. And you just think, you know, on a clear night, because we don't see enough of the stars, but you need to gaze at the stars because you think, like, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. We need to have that awe, that greatness of God imprinted upon our souls. And we need to say to our souls, just one moment, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my God and my Savior. When we are seeking, 
we can often get faced with many challenges. Now, in the long term, we can look back and some of those challenges, some of those difficulties have all been designed to actually strengthen us, to focus us, to help us, to make us press in more. But you can't always see that at the moment. At the moment, you just say, I'm looking for God. Where is he? Just like you're searching for your keys, you're saying, where are they? And you start to get a little bit frustrated. Even so, we can feel frustrated like, where is God? But he is God. He has not changed. Let's put our hope in him, for I will yet praise him, my God and my Savior. And he uses every circumstance that we're going through to change us, to perfect us, so that we can be made holy as he wants us to be made. Isaiah 55 verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Hosea 10:12. for it is time, it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. We're seeking God because we want his presence. We're seeking God because we want his instructions. We want his counsel. We want his help because we want to see change. Yes, there's pressure around us. Yes, things are pressing in upon us and we need him. Even in these days, don't you look at the news, even not just the news about COVID, because that's just one aspect. The news, the rest of the news, what's happening in other nations, the effect of COVID in other nations, the desperation in other nations. Don't you feel like, oh God, we need you in our nations even more. We are not the only people to have suffered trials or felt hardships. Indeed, we're not the only generation to have suffered trials and hardships. We're not the only generation. No, we can say that there haven't been generations that have been through what we're going through right now. But you see, there's been generations of past where there's been people saying, it's time to seek the Lord. There have been generations past when people have been looking at the church and saying, well, what is going on? Where are our young people? What is the world doing to them? Why are people no longer have an interest in God? What is happening? There have been many generations over the years where people have said exactly the same thing. We are not the only people. But I want to give you some encouragement from the fact that in the past, people who have faced challenges have also found that God has come to help them. Let me take you back just with one example, back to 1947. So a while ago, but not that long ago, to the Isle of Lewis in the Hebrides. I know that some of you have heard me talk about this before, but just hear me out. Two elderly sisters, Peggy and Christine Smith, 84 and 82. So two ladies who, as it were, are towards the end of their lives, but these two ladies have had enough. And they say, no, it is time for us to seek the Lord because we want to see change come in our community. What were they like? Well, Peggy was blind, and her sister Christine was almost bent over with arthritis. But they are concerned about the state of their community. They are concerned about the fact that young people seem to be being taken up with the world. Yes, people sometimes came to church. In fact, the church has had people. But you see, people came to church because it was the right thing to do. That's not the same as people come to meet with God. So they had a concern about this. And they started to seek God. One night in prayer, Peggy had a vision. She saw their church crowded with young people. And she saw a strange minister in the pulpit. Now she was so impressed with this revelation that she went and talked to her minister about it. And her minister listened to her. 
because he himself had tried many ways to get the youth interested and to come to church, but that hadn't had any results. This is what Peggy said to her minister. Mr. Mackay, or I should say, Mr. Mackay, I need Stuart up here to help us with the accent. Mr. Mackay, I'm sure you are longing to see God working. What about calling your leaders together and suggesting to them that you spend two nights a week calling and waiting upon God? Mr. Mackay, you have tried missions. You have tried evangelists. Have you tried God, is what she said. Mr. Mackay was a a man who was prepared to listen. He obeyed and he said that they would meet on Tuesdays and Fridays and they would spend the whole evening in prayer. Peggy said, well, if you do that, my sister and I will get on our knees. At 10 p.m. and we will wait upon the Lord until 4 a.m. So they went to prayer claiming God's promise Isaiah 44, verse 3, I will pour out my spirit upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. During one of the times in a barn, Mr. Mackay and his men were kneeling among the straw where one man arose and read Psalm 24, verses 3 to 5. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Only he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who lifted not his soul unto vanity. He began to pray, O God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? He fell on his hands and then on his face in the straw. And within a matter of minutes, three of the elders fell into a trance. And it's at that moment that it says that a power was let loose in Barvas, which is the area where they were in that shook the whole of the island of Lewis. And this was the beginning of what was to be known as the Hebridean revival, where the presence of God was so prevalent upon the island that people would be seen on their knees making repentance before God. Indeed, that group of intercessors, when they left the barn at the early hour, they found men and women kneeling along the roads, crying out to God for mercy. Every home had lights on in it, as no one seemed to be able to sleep with the awareness of God being so overwhelming. Now, can I just say, at this point, there is a sense in which the presence of God has increased. The atmosphere has changed. And yet, people it's not as though people are being saved at this point. But they call upon Duncan Campbell, an evangelist, to come and help them. And the first evening that he came to the island, he came by boat, and he came to the church, and they had a meeting arranged for him in the church that night. 300 people, it said, were gathered at the church when Duncan Campbell arrived. After preaching a sermon, nothing significant happened. So he preaches his message the first night, nothing significant happened. There was an awareness of God's presence, but nothing extraordinary beyond that. And the service was closed at approximately 10.45 p.m. With everyone having departed from the church, and Duncan Campbell and a young deacon being the only ones left, that young man, knowing God was going to do something, much more that night, he said in the middle of the aisle, he said to Campbell, nothing has broken out tonight, but God is hovering over us and he will break through at any moment. That young man then lifted up his hands and started to pray, God, you made a promise to pour water on thirsty, on the thirsty and floods upon the dry ground and you are not doing it. He intensely began to intercede in prayer for not a considerable period of time. Then he collapsed on the floor. At around 11 p.m., so this is like 15 minutes later, the back door of the church opened 
And a man entered saying, Mr. Campbell, something wonderful has happened. Mr. Campbell, we were praying that God would pour water on the thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. And listen, he's done it, he's done it. Will you come to the door and see the crowd that is here? It was then that Campbell witnessed many hundreds of people entering the church. No one had invited them. They had been drawn by the sovereignty of God. At that late hour of the evening, by 12 midnight, the church was crowded out. It all starts with seeking the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that we should experience the same things, but I am saying this, God has not changed. His desires have not changed. And when we look around us with all of the frustrations of COVID, but even beyond that, of seeing young people being taken into the world, seeing a disinterest in the world of the church, it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and He pours out His reign of righteousness upon us. So I want to encourage you. Let's press in upon the things of God and let's seek Him. For as it says in Isaiah 44 verse 3, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty, and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants, and my blessing on your offspring. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning. Or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com